You guys are men of faith. How do I know that? Because I got the same email to get here that you got. No address. It had information though. Hard to find, lock gates. <laughs> your spouse, your brother, your sister. Hey, so where's this place? I don't know. What's the address? I have no idea. But I know it's hard to find and there's locked gates. <laughs> oh, by the way, I can't bring a gun. <laughs> would have been my first conference. I don't know if I would have come over here. <laughs> then you start driving down here, right? And you go, whoa, this place is nowhere. And you keep driving and keep driving and keep driving. Then you want to make a phone call. Your cell's not working. <laughs> What am I getting into? <laughs> Men of faith. Oh my goodness. Let me set this up. First time I'm teaching out of a computer, by the way. I'm a paper guy. So bear with me. Diving in. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So Pastor Chris asked me if I would be willing to share. Of course I would say yes, right? <laughs> even if you feel inadequate, even if you feel like coming here, right? Man, is it safe to go there? I hear what happens in religious services, right? And then you park here, right? After all that journey, what do you see? A smoldering fire pit. <laughs> I hope I'm not the sacrifice to this religious service, right? <laughs> It takes faith, right? It takes faith. But um, as I considered the topic, as I took it to prayer, as I, I say, Lord, what does it take to endure hardship? What, what does it take to really make it? I thought of some things. I thought of athletes, you know, willing to take punishment. I thought of one particular athlete. Just because I know a little bit about a sto his story, not a whole lot. But I thought of a guy. You're going to help me with this just so we can get started. I float like a butterfly. I sting like a bee. I'm the greatest of all. Amen. Only the old guys know that. <laughs> what gets into a man, right? No matter how good he would be. What gets into a man to step into a ring? Not once. Not twice. Not three year after year what, what gets into a man that would overcome his trainer Freddie Pacheco telling him you can't go back in the ring you just can't do it you can't manage you're not speaking like you used to you're not thinking like what gets into a human being what gets into a man when he wants to get back into that ring well for Muhammad Ali he gives us a clue from his own mouth here's what he says Champions are not made in the gym. Champions are made from something deep inside of them. A desire, a dream, a vision. They have to last in the last minute. They have to be faster. They have to have skill. But I love this part. But the will must be stronger than the skill. So we get a clue. What drove this guy? What was in this man's heart? 
putting Ali to the side, I thought of another man. What would cause a man to endure years of discipline training? Years. To one day, for one moment, be put in a tube and allow people to cause an explosion under him with the hopes that he would make it to the moon. What gets into a man to be able to endure that? Knowing he might not come back. What are the chances nobody's done this before? Neil Armstrong. We get a little bit of a clue because he made a statement years after landing on the moon. He says he was disappointed. He thought he would have achieved a lot more by the end of the century. Come on, stepping on the moon is not enough. What's in a man like that, right? But the dearest to my heart, talk about a good soldier. Talk about enduring hardship. My dad. It's going to be uh, in next week's two years he's with the Lord. My dad, born in Cuba, raised in Cuba. Military man, a soldier, a good soldier. I heard the stories. Worldly man, but a good soldier. The regime sticks their neck up. Fidel comes in. They fight it. They lose. He either dies or he flees. Right? So he makes it to the States. He's established. He starts to enjoy the freedom of this country. All the benefits of this country. One day he gets a knock on the door. It's that knock. Hey, CIA was recruited. We're going to a man that's enjoying freedom, what would cause a man that's enjoying the benefit of this country to leave his family without dying an eye? What would cause that man to go fight a war, not knowing if he'd make it back? And many didn't. Well, I had the privilege of, through the years, especially growing up, asking him questions. He never talked about it, but if you asked him, he'd tell you. Not too long before he passed, Lord gave me a passion. He gave me a word. He gave me a theme. It's passion. Passion drives us. I remember as a young teenager, I was like 14, 15, I'd fall asleep with the Auto Trader magazine. You young guys don't know this. It's online now. It's a catalog that sells cars. And I'd fall asleep with that thing on my chest. The day I have this Mustang GT, I'm going to be the happiest man on this planet. 5.0 for barrel Holly coverage. I want that car. I need that car. The car came. I had the car. But it was just a car at the end of the day. So I needed to make it faster and louder. So what did I do? Well, I was broke, right? Gas takes up all the, uh, all the money. But I still wanted to make it louder. What did I do? I took off the catalytic converter, messed with the pipes. Why do I tell you that? 
my wife, my girlfriend then, she would hear me blocks away coming. But I tell you that because loud pipes are not necessarily passion. Passion is that fire in the engine compartment, that explosion that pushes a piston. That's passion. That piston pushes and turns a crankshaft. That crankshaft then turns a flywheel that turns a transmission. I'm not ASE certified, by the way. I just, I've been working on cars for all the time. But that transmission then turns a drive shaft. The drive shaft then has to turn the differential. The differential then turns the wheels. And then voila, we're going somewhere. So never, never confuse passion for loudness or loud pipes. As a matter of fact, some of the most passionate people... <laughs> They got the Midas touch. <laughs> we can call it the master's touch. So I'm not talking about being loud. And one of the most ridiculous things you can see driving around, and some of you young guys, if it's you, we're going to talk about healing. So don't worry about it. <laughs> now, I had a 5.0. It was okay that my car was loud. But one of the ridiculous things is to see a Toyota Corolla with those loud pipes. Come on, man. It just... <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> That's messed up. So passion, don't mistake it for personality, okay? Passion is the explosion in the engine. Here's the important thing. Is God passionate? If he is, how passionate is he? How passionate is God? Well, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible for God so loved the world that he gave his one, his only begotten son, right? Just per, for perspective's sake, can we change that word love? Can we say, for God so passioned the world. He so passioned the world that he gave his son. How passionate is God for me? How passionate is God for you? How passionate is God for people? Well, Philippians 2 says, when the time came... He set aside his privileges of deity. He took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was a humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient, selfless life. Obedient even unto death. He's passionate. On the other hand... God is so passionate that he actually hates some things. He hates. Proverbs 6.16, we're told, God is so passionate. It says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. One who sows discord among his brethren. God hates it. Ephesians 5 tells us that we're to be imitators of this passionate God. We are to love what God loves. What does God love? We are to hate what he hates. David said in Psalm 97 verse 10, Love the Lord, hate evil. What does that mean? 
Well, just for curiosity's sake, I looked up, uh, I googled what people say about passion. John Wesley said, when you set yourself on fire, people love to come and see you. E.M. Foster, Forster said, one person with passion is better than 40 that are, are just merely interested. How important is passion? I like, I like this one too. Dennis Waitley said, hey, chase your passion, not your pension. Now, I would add to that. If your passion leads to a pension, praise the Lord. <laughs> this is a real good one. This is a man that is not doing well right now. And we need to pray for him, that he would know the Lord. Bill Cosby, he said an incredible thing. He said, anyone can dabble, but once you've made that commitment, your blood has this particular thing in it. And it's very, very hard for people to stop you. What gets into a man? What's the drive? Field Marshal Foch. I don't know if he's related, but Pastor Foch. The most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. Henry Amiel. Without passion, man, man is a mere latent force and just a possibility. Like the flint rock which awaits the shock before the iron, before it can give forth its spark. We're just a dead rock without passion. And check out the last one. I have no special talents, but I am passionately curious. You won't even believe who said that. Albert Einstein. <laughs> Talking about no special talents. Here's the thing. I find myself the other day changing the carburetor out of my lawnmower. And it's hot. And I'm full of fuel. And I'm changing it. And I just want to get this thing done. And I had a psychotic conversation with myself. You do that too, so don't look at me like that. You talk to yourself. <laughs> so I had that conversation. You know... You should check the oil. I only use this thing 15 minutes a week. What do I need to change the oil for? And I keep working. You know you should change, you should check the oil. I checked it three years ago. <laughs> Just a lot more. You know you should check that oil. <laughs> no I know what you're thinking. You got one hell of a lawnmower. <laughs> Actually, no, no. It's a regular lawnmower. You guys made it hard for me, though. I walked to every car, and they were locked. I could not get into the engine compartment. But then I lucked out. I looked. I go, man, I wonder if that hatch is open. I opened the hatch. I go, yeah. So I climbed up on the helicopter and... <laughs> Remind me to put it back before they take off. <laughs> Here's what I'm hoping. Here's what I'm hoping. That God would stick this in our heart. That God would stick this dipstick in our heart through his word. And show us where we're at. This thing has markings on it. It has full, right? Three quarters, half, quarter, and then just blank, right? Just 
off the chart. Here's the interesting about the oil. See, the thing with my lawnmower, the, the oil was not empty, but it was water. It had lost its, they call it viscosity, the stickiness. What does that stickiness do, right? See, an engine is metal with metal. With, without oil in it, it's pure friction. It's just metal on metal, it's friction. It's friction. We need the oil. Because if we don't have oil, you know what happens? You want to beat people up in mall parking lots. <laughs> Got you, bro. <laughs> May the Lord, as we look at His Word, Romans chapter 1, verses 7 through 16. There's going to be a lot of supporting scriptures. I'm just going to quote them. You don't have time to be flipping back. I know how that is. Just focus on Romans 117. I'll, I'll, I'll share the verses. If you're a note taker, take them. I do have points to the teaching. And I gave it a title. And I like to do that only for my own sake. That I would grasp what I'm reading. So I titled it. I said, God, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching us? What, 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 should, what am I looking for? What's the title for the teaching? And he said, it's passion check. Check for passion. Where am I with the Lord? The Apostle Paul will look at his life. And I want to look at it just a little bit different today. A lot of times we're listening to the instruction that comes from his lips. The teaching, the instruction, the doctrine. I don't want to have that view today. I want to, you know, like they say, right? Talk is cheap. I want to look at his life and see if what he taught was being lived. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that in these verses. This is a man that ended his life with this statement. I fought the good fight. This Christian walk, it's a fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There's now in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who long for his appearing. As it relates to passion, we'll look at six things in these verses. The Apostle Paul. Paul was incredibly passionate. I mean, he was off the charts passionate. How passionate? Acts chapter 7, you find him doing what? Making havoc of the church. Going in and out of the church. <laughs> committing people to prison. In Acts chapter 8, the same thing. He even went to the high priest and asked for arrest warrants. Talk about passion. In Acts chapter 9, we find him breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Incredibly passionate. I don't think the Apostle Paul had read... Proverbs 14, or at least wasn't listening, where it says, there is a way that seems right to a man with all his passion. Doesn't matter how much passion you got, right? But there's a way that seems right, but the end is destruction. You ever met anybody like that? They are way passionate, but man, are they going the wrong way or hitting it wrong? But something happened in this man named Saul. 
he became Paul. He went from the law to love. He shifted from just having a religion to having a relationship. From rigid religion to a passionate relationship with the Lord. We pick it up there in verse 7. To all, Romans 1 verse 7, to all in Rome who are, and everything under this hinges on this, loved by God and called to be holy. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see right here, passion for God. His passion was for God. How do we know this? He's addressing these Christians. He's immediately bringing in, hey, you are beloved. They say it takes one to know one. Paul knew he was loved. And Paul had a passion for God. You've heard the expression, you know, it takes one to know one. That's who Paul had become. The only reason he could tell these believers that is because he had a personal experience with the love of God. He went from a religious program. He was religious. He went to synagogue. He taught scriptures. He taught leadership. But he went from all that to just a passion for a person. That person was Jesus Christ. Paul realized while he was yet a sinner, while he was causing havoc to people, while he was putting people in prison, he looked back and goes, wow, while I was a sinner, the love of God was there for me. While consenting to Stephen's death by stoning, he realized, wow, even then, when I was cheering it on and leading it on, even then, God was loving me. While he was hunting men and women, God loved me. The Apostle John puts it like this, 1 John 4.19. We love him because he we passion God. We passion God. Why do we passion God? Because He passioned us first. But God was faithful to Paul. Acts chapter 9, we have his conversion, the road to Damascus. As he journeyed, just listen. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Incredible experience here. Very graphic. A light. A voice. The other guys didn't hear. They knew something was happening. Has the light of the gospel enlightened us? Have we heard Jesus saying, George, George? It's personal now. See, it's not just attending church it's not just being part of a religious organization or a movement have i heard jesus say george george no wonder paul was able to pen romans chapter 2 verse 4 where it says it's god's grace it's his kindness that leads us to repentance because paul now personally had a grasp on the love of God. Paul knew he was passionately and personally rescued. It's easy to read, oh, for God so loved the world. 
God loved George. While George was not caring, not paying attention, doing this, being obnoxious, <laughs> creating his own dreams and plans, the love of God was waiting. The day came, the light of the gospel shone. And Jesus said, <laughs> are you willing to get off the throne and follow me because I love you? As I look around here, what do I see? Well, let's see. Mm. Hi, Mama. What do I see? I feel heat over here. Oh, my goodness. Fire extinguisher, please. <laughs> Does it matter what I see? <laughs> Does it matter? Here's what matters, what God sees. What does God see? Peter tells us, you are a chosen people. That's who you are. Me? You are a chosen people. It gets better. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's not only possession, you're God's special possession. God passions you. God passions me. That's who the Lord says you are. You're chosen. Now, before you get on Amazon and order your robe <laughs> and your business card, apostle, whatever, <laughs> let's read another verse. <laughs> let's bring it back to orbit. Ephesians 4. Talk about fighting the good fight, right? Ephesians 4. Live a life worthy of the calling which you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling. What's the calling? You're loved. You're chosen. You're royal. <laughs> You're God's special possession. Right? Live a life worthy. Worthy of it. That, my brother, is the battleground. <laughs> that is the good fight. Not anything else. <laughs> that is... The fight. Positionally, man, we're saved. We're sanctified. Fancy words for saying, hey, God sees you perfect. I sure don't. <laughs> God sees you perfect. You're complete. Positionally. Practically, you know you. And God knows us. I know me. <laughs> I know me. I did a firearms training recently, had the blessing to, it was just, man, it was fun. All kinds of drills, and we're just having a blast. And then, boom, the gun keeps jamming, and jamming, and jamming. I'm saying, man, this is terrible. It was frustrating. But then I started thinking, but you know what? I'm learning something new here. I'm learning how to clear these jams more efficiently. Which is real life. <laughs> the same way that gun can jam in a controlled environment, it could jam in an emergency. <laughs> so what am I going to do? This walk, you're going to jam. <laughs> I realized I had like a thousand rounds of ammunition at my disposal. A thousand rounds. They did me no good. The gun was jammed. 
I can go to a thousand Bible studies. I can have the radio on 104.7, 24-7. If my heart is jammed, it does me very little good. We call it clearing the mechanism, right? Tap and rack. <laughs> Tap and rack as fast as you can and get back in it, right? In this walk, we got to tap and rack. We got to clear the mechanism. How often? As often as our relationship with the Lord is jammed. The moment we quench the Holy Spirit of God. It's called repentance. We see it as such a negative thing. We see it as a frustrating thing. Man, this thing's jamming. There's an incredible exchange in John chapter 13. Just listen to this exchange. After he poured water into a basin and began to wash, that's the magic word, wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? I understand Peter, by the way, a little bit here. Don't question my man with this example. Okay? <laughs> I took my wife. She wanted to do her nails and the girl thing. The toes. <laughs> so I'm sitting there waiting. And she says, why don't you get your, what do you call it, pedicure? <laughs> Heck no! Esa china no me toca mi there's this thing about our feet. Maybe you don't. I don't like my feet to be shown. Matter of fact, if I'm going to go out, I don't even like sandals. I, I just don't like to expose my toes. I don't know. There's this thing about feet. They're very personal. It's very private, right? Especially if you're put on the spot. It's like, did I cut my nails in the last three years? I'm not sure. You know? <laughs> did I got all that sock build up from the toe jam? You know? <laughs> This thing about feet. So I understand him. Lord, you're going to wash my feet? The response here is the critical thing, though. This is, this is critical. His response? No, said Peter. No. It gets worse. He says, you shall never wash my feet. Those are not good words to tell the Lord. <laughs> no and never. Not a good thing. He's going to be just fine. Trust me. We're going to stay very dirty. <laughs> and if you say no. And I say no. What does this passionate God say? Well let's read. And Jesus said. Unless I wash your feet. You shall have. No. No part with me. Unless I wash your feet, you will have no part with them. But wait a minute. He's a disciple. He's a believer. He's saved. He loves the Lord. He's walking with the Lord. This is the battleground, my brother. As we, one of the lessons, one of the many lessons here, is as we do this Christian walk and, and follow hard after God, we get jammed up. We get dirty. It's a battle. We need to constantly and frequently having the Lord wash our feet. 
the moment you feel that quenching, the moment you feel that friction, the moment you feel dry, the moment you, you just, you, you know you're off. The dashboard light is going off, check engine, you know. Just sit with the Lord. Say, Lord, something's up here. Wash my feet. How do you read this? We've got this stigma about repentance. Do you read this like, Peter, unless I wash your feet, you're going to have no part with me. If I treated my kids like that, do you think they would want to come to me the next time there's an issue? <laughs> so how do we read this response? Peter, if I don't wash your feet, we can't be, we can't experience this fellowship. It's going to be a break. It's going to be off. Let's fix this. Let me wash your feet. It's okay. Bring me the toe jam. You know. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. But it's critical that we do that. We got to bring our jams. We got to clear the mechanism. David put it like this. He did it. I use this one quite often. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. The magic word. Wash away my iniquity. Cleanse me. Lord, take this away from me. This attitude, this way of thinking, the way I respond. This thing that's always pulling at me. Lord, please wash it. And David said, For I know my transgression. Think about this. It's one thing being saved. Generic, you know, generally, I'm a sinner, right? But it's another thing here. When we got to be washed by the... David said, no, no, no. It's not just that I'm a sinner. I'm a fallen creature. I know my sin." I know the things that I'm prone to. I know the things that are not right. We got to be specific when we come to the Lord. It's not just, I'm sorry, going to kill me. I won't do it again. That's not washing. That's not being washed. It's like, God, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I'm proud. Lord, I like to be first. God, take that away. Lord, why do I need to exaggerate? Why do I have this issue? God, wash me. Cleanse me. Oh, you'll experience the Lord. In verse 7, once again, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh man, there's nothing like walking the freedom of confidence that you're washed just a joy God there's nothing pending there's nothing secret and when there is you're going to expose it and I'm going to say God cleanse me there's nothing like it <laughs> now in a different language just in case we don't understand that one we'll see how John puts it 1 John 1 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful he's just He'll forgive us our sins. He'll clear the mechanism. He'll purify us, he says. 
Little word. If. If. Acts chapter 3. And now brothers. I know that you acted in ignorance. As did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled. What he foretold through all his prophets. Saying that the Messiah would suffer. Repent. Repent then. And turn to God. Again that stigma. Repent. Just go to God. Go to God. And watch Him do marvelous works. And then what happens? Times of refreshing will come. From the Lord. When I cut the grass. My first temptation. We don't even buy soda anymore. I used to do it. Why do I go for the Coca-Cola first? I'm thirsty. I'm parched. Man, I know in 15 minutes I'm going to be worse <laughs> with the sugar and all that. You just need the water. <laughs> you need the real deal. We try to refresh ourselves. Well, you know, I'm Cuban. I'm Italian. In my family, you know, I'm hot-tempered. No. You need to be washed. <laughs> Let's not make excuses. We deceive ourselves. God puts in the dipstick. We think it's full. And it might be full because we're going to church. It might be full in our eyes because we're serving. It might be cool because we don't cheat or hang with those that do. But the viscosity is gone. We haven't even realized it. We need to check our hearts. We need to be washed. Bring your things before Him. He loves he loves to wash our feet. If we're passionate for God, if the mechanism is clear, there are things in our life that are going to be evident. You're going to stick this thing in and you're going to check the marker. What are these things? Look at verse 9. God, whom I serve in my spirit, in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Remember, I don't want to know what he's saying. What's his life demonstrating here? He prayed for them. He was longing for them. You know what that demonstrates to me? If I'm right with God, if I'm loving God, if my oil is truly full, I'm going to be caring about people. There's going to be a God passion, compulsion for people. He was longing to be with them. He remembered them at all times. So I can think I'm full, but am I? <laughs> am I thinking about somebody this week? And I know the chemistry is different. For me, it's driving. I don't know why. When I drive, God nags me with a person. I'll text them. I'll call them. I'll pray for them. You know? Are we loving the believer? Are we caring? 
the more oil we have, <laughs> the stronger grade viscosity that oil is, the more we're going to have for other people in our hearts. It's reality. Let's not deceive ourselves. If we don't have a concern, if we don't have a care for others, it's just not there. Not only for believers, Romans chapter 9, <laughs> he says, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. This is the same man. My conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow. Continual grief. Great sorrow. Continual. It just doesn't leave. In my heart. For what? I wish that I myself was accursed. Apart from the love of God. Apart from the passion of God. For the sake of my brethren. My countrymen. He had a heart for lost people. Are we praying for somebody? At least one person. That you're saying, God, you're going to come back one day. I don't know if they're going to be there with me. Is that in our hearts? See, that's a real oil check. If I have real, if I say I love Jesus and I'm right with God, I'm going to have a burden for God's people. I want to make sure that God's people are okay. And I'm going to have a desire, even a passion. God, somehow, how do we open this guy's eyes? He needs you. How's that going to work out? God, do something. Are we praying for somebody? Passion for God. Passion for people. The next marker on the dipstick, we find in verse 11. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. So if I'm right with God, if I'm flowing, if I'm loving Jesus, if he's got the place in my heart where he needs to be, I'm going to have a love for people, but I'm also going to have a desire to serve. I'll somehow God use my life to make people around me, not only see you, but to build them up. Paul had a, a passion. He, he says, I just want to show up and... I don't know, use some gift, somehow, God, move and build my people up, build my brother up. I started uh, serving in the kiddos ministry uh, two weeks ago. What a blessing. So I'm sitting the other day. Um, by the way, it's a blessing because they give you the, the lesson. You don't even have to, like, you just go over it. You don't have to put a lot of time into it, right? But I just have this burden. I say, God, no. I'm going to build my own. God, I want to own this. And it was John chapter 3, Nicodemus, right? Being born again. So I'm starting my own outline, and I'm not happy with it. I throw the paper. Another, I'm not happy with it. I'm not feeling it. I'm just not satisfied. God, these are kids. How do we make them understand this? It's Nicodemus. You got to be born again, right? <laughs> Even Nicodemus, a <laughs> <our> Sanhedrin. <laughs> One of 70 men that controlled the whole religious, religious uh, system. He didn't figure it out. How do I go back into my mother's womb? And I'm thinking, if he don't get it, how am I going to tell a kid to understand this thing? Hey, child, you need to be born again. My mommy has to send a stork to pick me up, take me back, and then come back in another stork. Born again? What? Man, 
I'm saying, God, please, how do I communicate your love to them? Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if they were listening. <laughs> I don't know if they learned anything. But I got to tell you one thing. God put in my heart a passion for them to know Jesus. They need to know the Lord. That was my prayer. They need to know you, Lord. Now, the way you impart, it's not always the loud muffler. <laughs> it's not always the loud muffler. How do I know that? Colossians tells us, whatever you do, <laughs> it could be in word. It could be your words. It could be the loud pipes, the screaming eagles. Right? Jose, I think, had the screaming eagle pipes, right? Sometimes it's the screaming eagle that God uses. <laughs> but sometimes it's the shut lips. It's the deed. It's just being there. There are guys at Calvary, Miami that don't even know this. Some I don't even know their name. But I walk into that building on Wednesdays and Sundays. Their mere presence, man, they're here again. You are an encouragement to me. You don't even know it. You're there. God's using you to impart encouragement. The fellowship. The gathering of the saints. That itself. So we've all been given, right? Not only a measure of faith, but the Bible says you all have at least one. <laughs> at least one. And you don't have to have a complete handle on it. You just love God. Love people. Show up. <laughs> just show up. <laughs> and God will open doors and like Paul, I don't know, something, some spiritual gift. God, use it. I'm here. I love you. I, I have a love for these people. Do something. <laughs> I don't have a handle on all my gifts. Now, on the other hand, I've been discovering them through the years. Hit and miss. Believe me, I know some things I'm really not good at. <laughs> you ask me to do them, I go, heck no. <laughs> That's for him. <laughs> No, no, no. In part is defined as to make known, to tell, to relate, to disclose, to impart as a secret thing, a secret thing, to give understanding to something. To give, right? To give, don't need lips to give. To communicate, to impart knowledge, to grant, to share. That's what in part means. Bottom line, what energized Paul was building others up. So one of the brothers, he's actually here. He has a gift. God wakes him up. God plants something in his heart. And he, he's like sandpaper. He's like the persistent widow. He'll bug you. Until you say yes. <laughs> God plants an idea. And you're saying, I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> That's not me. But he's to the point where you go, it's got to be God. It's got to be God. Because he would get tired. <laughs> so that happened frequently. Uh, it happens frequently, actually. It happened recently. And he says, hey, I got this 
thing God gave me. I want to go present this coin of honor. It's a challenge coin in the police department. A lot of organizations do it. It's a challenge coin. You trade them. Oh, you're from the armed forces? Oh, I'm from you trade. It's just like a swap thing. But he gets this thing planted in his heart. Hey, the head guy of the Catholic Church, right? The Sanhedrin <laughs> of the Catholic, the head guy. He handles Broward, Dade, and Monroe. I mean, he's got the whole Catholic system under his shoulders. <laughs> and I'm saying, I don't think they read the Bible. <laughs> what exactly? I'm not telling him this. I don't tell him these things, by the way. Now he knows that I expose myself. <laughs> but these are the things I go, I don't know how to do that water thing. <laughs> I don't even, I'm not coordinated. Even if I wanted to, man, I could not do that thing. <laughs> but I, I said, let's go. So uh, he actually assembles a team. He, you don't know, but he's recruiting all kinds of people. So I, I go, Raz is there. Adrian is there. Joey is there. I say, what in the? Before you know, we're sitting in a conference table, just shooting the breeze with the archbishop. <laughs> I'm saying, <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> My heart would have blocked it. I would have blocked that thing. Because unfortunately, we're very wise in our own opinion because we know the scriptures. <laughs> oh, we're more Pharisee than you know, my brother. God, God wanted us there. After just a little while, I figured it out, man. God's God, he wants to show this, this man something. Before you know it, we're talking about just shooting the breeze. From motorcycles to archbishop, rides a motorcycle, you know, to, to things about the Lord and the community and, and, and just, and I'm sitting there like, Lord, what are we supposed to impart here? You know? I mean, he's already teaching me something sitting there, you know? But I'm saying, okay, but there's more to this. I don't know what it is, but do something. <laughs> you know? Before you know it, man, the coin is presented. I'm sure his heart is touched. More than we know from observation, because you don't know what God's teaching him or, or what he's going through. And God is trying to meet that, you know, <laughs> behind the scenes. And man, we got to pray with him. We had a verse for him. It's crazy. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Do something, God. <laughs> we don't know the fruit of that. Well, I know the fruit already because I'm growing from it. Well, if we're firing in all cylinders, the oil is fresh and full, we're going to love God. He is going to be our master passion. If He's our master passion, we're going to love people. We're going to want to serve. We're going to want to make a difference. But it gets better. There's another marker on the stick. <laughs> if you're ever not sure how you're doing, here's the other marker. Ready? Verse 12. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. This is mind-blowing. That you and I, so not only, hey, I'm going to show up on the scene, God do something, but look how open this man is 
This is a Hebrew of Hebrews. This is a Pharisee of Pharisees. This is a learned man. This is a man that when he shows up on the scene, you better just look, listen, because this guy is it. But look at his heart. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not about me that you and I may together, mutually, get edified together. What does that show me? If I'm right with God, one of the markers is, no matter how much Bible I know, it doesn't matter how much responsibility God has trusted me with. It doesn't matter how much wisdom I have. I, I don't care if I can discern a spirit the moment I look at it. Ah, Diana, I pride. Oh, I need to grow. I need to be edified myself. If we're flowing with the Lord, we're going to have passion to grow. We never arrive, my brother. We never arrive. The openness of this man, unbelievable. Unbelievable. He was open to the common folk. When he showed up, oh, God used him. He taught. But man, he go, wow, God, you're teaching me too. Wow, God, you're encouraging me. God, I needed to see that brother. Whoa, man, that guy has no idea what he shared. He's sharing it to several. That was for me. <laughs> You're open. You're transparent. You haven't arrived. It was his passion in life to learn from God, to grow. How do I know that? Because he shares it. I want to know Christ, he said. How do you know something? You got to stay open. You know? You got to stay open. I want to experience the mighty power that raised God from the dead. You know? I love that part of it. God, I want to pray and see you deliver. You know? I want to see you move that mountain. But he also says, and I want to suffer with him. I want to, when I'm suffering, I really want to understand Jesus in this. I wanted to have purpose. Philippians chapter 3, 12, he says, Hey, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, that I've already reached perfection, but I press on. I fight the good fight. I fight the good fight. For that which Christ laid hold of me. The Apostle Paul gives us a different angle than Peter. Peter says, hey, you want to keep growing? He says, giving all diligence. In other words, put your mind to this. Put your heart. Commit to this. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, add, add some knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. We're supposed to be imitators. God is passionate. I got to love what he loves. I got to hate what he hates. To godliness, brotherly kindness. What a blessing to be here. Man, I just sit there and I go, man, we got one agenda here. This is so easy to be part of. 
We just want to get, get to know Jesus better together. <laughs> oh, if it was always like this. <laughs> it will be soon. The godliness, brotherly kindness, the brotherly kindness, love. If these things abound in you, the oil is fresh and full, man, you're not going to be unfruitful. You're not going to be barren. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to be used. And you're going to grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, passion to grow. How am I doing? Am I satisfied? Do I have passion to grow? Verse 13. One, another marker on here on this dipstick. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers. Verse 13, Romans 1. And sisters, that I planned many times to come to you. Here's the key. But have been hindered from doing so until now. In order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I've had among the Gentiles. What do we have here? Well, he's sharing, right? It's not what he's saying. It's the demonstration. He says, man, I, I wanted to do this, but I haven't been able to. What do I think? He's had to wait. <laughs> when you're called to wait, what's that called? Persevere. <laughs> if somebody says, hey, you got to wait, you got to persevere. One of the indicators that I'm tight with God, that the mechanism is clear, that I'm loving God like I should, that He's my master passion, right? Is that in perseverance, there's passion. There's passion in perseverance. How does that work? <laughs> How does that work? Perseverance is defined as, and it comes from the word perseverantia, and it means to abide by something strictly as in just stick to it. Just wait. Stick to it. What are you praying for? What am I praying for? One of the things I hate the worst is doctors, but not doctors, but having to go to the doctor. I appreciate doctors. Well, some. I got stories. I'll tell you one, just for fun. So I have an issue going on. And, I, and we're talking about, he goes, oh, oh, let's check it out. He says, first, let's go to my office. From the exam room to your office. What do you mean? I just follow him. He says, have a seat. Start doing research of what to do. <laughs> you got to do research of how to handle this issue? I don't know about this. <laughs> I lost all confidence that day. <laughs> hey, I'll be back. <laughs> but one of the things I hate the worst is the waiting, right? You're sitting there and sitting there. Now there's this doctor, he's amazing. He's amazing. Because once he, once you get in, he you're his, he's yours. He's not in a hurry. But the problem is, while you're in the waiting room, it's a big problem. Because it's two, three hours I waited. But when you're in, it's a beautiful thing. It's all for you. No hurry. What questions you got? You sure you understand? You need anything else? It's a beautiful thing. So my brother, if I'm flowing with the Lord, it's not that I persevere. I'm going to persevere. <laughs> you have no choice. This is a fallen world. But if I'm flowing with the Lord, 
It's Romans 8, 28. Oh, I'm persevering, but I know, I know that he's working it out. There's that spiritual understanding, that spiritual soothing, right? That oil that's covering the persevering story to the point where you're saying, God's doing something. He's working it out. I know because he loves me. I know because he's moved the mountain before. <laughs> he just ordered the bulldozer. I got to wait for it to arrive on the scene. <laughs> you know? But you know that it's not in vain. So if I'm flowing with the Lord, that dipstick, when I look at the perseverance marker, it's not a bad thing. It's not bad at all. How we doing there, my brothers? First Thessalonians. Paul describes perseverance as, this is beautiful, a patience of hope. Well, I persevere sometimes, but there's no real patience. And I'm not flowing with the Lord. I'm not filled with the Spirit. So you know what? The hope is dim. <laughs> it's dim. Lord, fill us that as we persevere, we see the glory of God in it. Lord, it's not a big thing. You're working something out. One more. The sixth marker on the dipstick. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. not ashamed if he's saying he's not ashamed then that must imply that it wasn't easy <laughs> that there must have been some persecution <laughs> if he's gonna if I'm gonna stand for something and there's a possibility that I'm gonna have shame in it it's because what I'm standing for might cause ridicule for myself He's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God. Sundays is one of the best days for us, right? Man, we go to the house of God. We worship our Lord. To get refreshed. As a kid, you know, you look forward to the weekend. Not in my case. I dreaded the weekend. Especially Sunday morning. My dad, his master passion, the Lord. My mom, great woman. Issues of mental, issues of bitterness, cost her a lot. Very difficult, very volatile. She was sick, spiritually, physically. As a kid, Sundays it was a warfare in my house. Warfare. He's not going. Kid, hey, we're going to church. No, they're not going. Yes, they're going. No, they're not going. <laughs> Guess who took the brunt of it? <laughs> One day, we get back from church. Guess what we are introduced to? All his clothing out in the front. <laughs> Everything. His whole closet out on the road. The neighbors are looking. 
talk about no shame in the game. He's not a religious man. Something happened in his life. And he just loved Jesus. He just loved the Lord. He stood for the one new, that he knew loved his soul. He was just following hard after the Lord. He paid a price. We paid a price. But I got to see a man that loved that woman with only the ability that God is able to provide. Never saw my dad raise her voice at her. Loved her to the end. And it just got worse. And as I got, I got to be a teenager, and it got worse and worse. My dad just loved Jesus. Served Jesus. <laughs> Loved her the best he could under the conditions, you know. The Bible says, be at peace with all mankind. As long as it depends on you, there's a limit. Because the other person, you know, they have a responsibility to you. But he did his job loving God and loving her perfectly. It's an amazing thing, the power of God. Don't be ashamed, my brother. You're chosen, man. You truly are a royal priesthood. You're God's special possession. Our roads, our calling, as we walk a life that's going to be worthy of that, of the love that God has given us, it's going to cost us. You're going to be put in circumstances. People are not going to, they're going to see you as religious. I hate it at work. Oh, el es religioso. And they go do their thing, you know. I'm saying, I'm not religious. I just love Jesus. <laughs> I really want to choke him up. <laughs> but I passionately want them to understand I'm not a religious guy. I don't know how to be religious. I'm not that good. I can't remember lyrics to a song. I couldn't worship right because there's no lyrics on a board. I'm serious. <laughs> I can just, I remember words. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't have it. I can't remember a song. But I can do other things, right? But I know I love Jesus. And as I hear you sing, okay, I'm going to get into, okay, that part I got. You know? <laughs> it's going to cost us. Perseverance. It gets tough. It's a good fight, my brother. It's fun when you watch God work. The power of the resurrection, the answered prayer, technical difficulties. <laughs> Luke 12, the words of our master. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? That's how he asked the question. Do you really think that? <laughs> you really think Jesus came to bring peace on earth? <laughs> From now on, he says, not at all. There's a no. <laughs> There's a no. Oh, maybe sometime. Not at all, Papa. <laughs> 
<laughs> but rather division. Wait a minute. The one that gave it all. The lover of our soul, he says, no, wait a minute, no, I didn't come to give peace. I come to divide everything. I don't understand. Bipolar God? <laughs> you see, here's the truth. Jesus did come to bring peace to people. To people, but not to the world. He says... From now on, because now the gospel is here, here's what's going to happen. You ready? In a house, there'll be division. There'll be five in a house, and there's going to be three against two. Because some are going to see how much I love them, <laughs> and they're going to love me back, and it's going to bring problems. <laughs> Have you lost any friends? And in your heart, you're saying, I don't want to lose you. I love you. But I love Jesus. I remember when I first started walking with the Lord. You're in that battle, right? You're coming fresh out of the world. Talk about a master passion. You mentioned the word boat and bring me the napkin. I don't know what it is in me. What's in a man? I love to be in a boat. I love it. Therapy for my soul. I don't know what it is. I don't care if we don't leave the dock. If I can just be in the boat. I'm serious. That's how much I love a boat. I had one not too long ago. It's the second one I have. It was old. Always breaking. You think it was persevering for me to fix the boat? I couldn't wait to fix the broken, rusted cables. I loved the thing. I couldn't even use it. It was in such bad condition. Just I have a passion for piece of fiberglass and metal. It's the PTSD. Okay? The PTSD. I just, I love it. <laughs> oh, man. I lost my thought. <laughs> Doing the right thing, right? To honor. Not a system. You're not following a religious institution. One day, you saw your light that God gave you. Somebody, you heard it on the radio, Jesus loves you. You heard the gospel. You turned to the God of the gospel. You saw the light. You heard, George, George, would you get off the throne? I love you. In your experience, right? I just love Jesus. I just want to honor him. I just want to walk worthy of his love. He gave it all. In the view of God's mercy, I just want to present myself. I don't know how. I'm not great. I just want to present myself. He had a passion even through persecution. If I'm really filled. Now that's the top marker. <laughs> Doc, you got to be full of the Holy Spirit. And passion. And persecution. And we're all going to endure persecution of some kind. But if I'm not going to be ashamed of it, if I'm going to see it with clarity, if I'm going to see it with understanding, if it's not going to move me, if it's not going to crush me, I have to have that passion in the engine, right? That combustion, that explosion. That's how a car moves. 
it starts with an explosion that moves all those parts and then get us somewhere. That's passion for Jesus Christ. I told you, and I was honest with you, I am not good with songs, but God reminded me of a song. And I looked it up so I can write down the lyrics. And we'll end with this and we'll pray over ourselves with this song. Just listen to the lyrics. Give me one pure and holy passion. Just one. One pure and holy passion. Oh, I have a passion for boats. Not a problem. When the door opens, I'll get in it. But one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one glorious ambition. God, what can get into a man? God, may this get into this man. Give me one pure and holy passion. To know, to follow hard after you. Give me one glorious ambition for my life. Lord, to know and follow hard after you. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I know that in this time, Lord, you've dipped the stick in our hearts more than once. Lord, you know all things. <laughs> Lord, you love us perfectly. Lord, there's nothing we can do or not do to change that. But thank you that you're faithful, that you, through your word, show us, God, to be real with ourselves. Thank you that you show us that we can be honest, God, that we're not filled. We're not loving you like we think we do. We don't even look at the dipstick sometimes, God. We just keep mowing the lawn. We just, God, just keep on with the wear and tear when it could be so much better. God, we, we just... Sometimes just live with friction. <laughs> oh, Lord, but you love us enough. Because you don't want to melt down, Lord. You don't want to blow the engine. You want to, you want to, you want efficiency, like, Lord, Lord, like fresh oil. You want to get good mileage. Lord, you want to run smooth and long. <laughs> Lord, you want that engine to perform like you created it to perform. We need you, God. Lord, thank you that you're willing to cleanse us, to wash us, to purify us, moment to moment, day by day, as we come to you and we repent. Lord, teach us to come into repentance gladly, God, saying, wow, God, I knew I was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. God, I want to experience what your word says, that you're able to do abundantly above what I can even think or imagine. Because it is your power, God. Lord, you remind me of Zechariah. I cannot passion myself into this, God. It is not like Ali said. It's not the willpower, God. But it's the Holy Spirit power, God. It is not by might. It is not by my intellect. It is not by my meditation. It's by me coming to you and saying, Lord, 
fill me with your power that is holy, that is pure, and that is mighty. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you guys.